This is CliffCentral.com. Just start, just start your I normal. I can't just hum. Just start humming. No. It's fine. San Bernard Nonke, welcome to the show. It is Frankly Speaking. And uh, thank you so much to Gareth and the gang. Back again tomorrow. Uh, we, we've got an interesting show today, Rory. Hey, man. How? Not even a greeting. Just Sorry, jump straight man. into it. You, you are excited today. Huh? I'm very excited. Yeah, I have never seen you this excited. Lekai. <laughs> I am strong, my friend. Um, interesting times that we're in at the moment. Um, the ANC is having its policy conference. Mm. Um, once again, all eyes on the ANC and uh, great hope that it will resurrect itself from what seems to be the dark dungeon of immorality. So it's scary. It's, it sounds like a poem. It's, it, it, <laughs> <laughs> well, it, we there's, a poetic, there. there's a poetic sadness to... To what's happening with the ANC right now, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, I think we you saw some of the, the speeches, some of the comments that came out uh, from some of the leaders in the ANC. Mm. It does seem that it does seem like a bit of a depressed stage that we're going through right now. Yeah, but uh, it seems that everyone everyone um, everyone thinks that, but everyone in the ANC believes. Oh no, this is part of the normal process. So. Uh, you know, what do we know? Uh, we obviously, they we're know the something. Man. They we're know the something we don't. So mm. the best way for us to understand what's going on is perhaps to speak to people who are in, in the ANC. I'm very excited. I've never met a six foot two Zulu woman. Never? Never. You have been denied. Ow, you have ow, denied. Ow. You have been deprived of the good <laughs> things. A beautiful in life, my six foot two Zulu. You woman have been deprived. Who then of the wears good high things. heels on top of that. You have and happens to be in parliament. You forget. You, you should mention that you're a midget, though. <laughs> Why are you going to do that, Rory? Why are you going to do that? That's that's not fair, Rory. That's not so fair. so every every woman mostly looks like they are very tall to you, but it's fine. You know, it's so funny because uh, I met a guy who had never spoken to me on radio before. Mm. Never seen me in person, and he yes. said, Are you Andrew Levy? I can't believe it. I thought you were six foot four and 125 kilograms. I was like, You know, <laughs> that's my voice, that's my voice. <laughs> so, what are we speaking about today? What's going on? So, today we've got a very special show. It's it normally we're asking, we're asking a question and saying, Frankly speaking, this mm, or that. Mm, mm, mm. Today, we want to. Uh, almost start a series of conversations with inspirational leaders um, and basically say, you know, frankly, a frank look at leadership within South Africa, the rest mm-hmm. of the continent and the world at large. Right. And today we've got the, we've got the distinct pleasure of having um, a, a member of parliament join us, uh, the distinct honorable member uh, Makosi Koza joining us. Uh, doctor, huh? Doctor, mm. I apologize. I apologize. Don't forget, Doctor, that. Doctor Makosi Koza joining us in studio for a broad conversation um, on her leadership journey and also uh, on what's going on. Uh, we can have a very abstract conversation on leadership mm. and so on, but to contextualize it to the current the current environment. I said to uh, Dr. Koza off air that if uh, we start with any political speak, we're going to ring a bell or something. You know? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Start getting political answers. We'll ring yes, the bell. This is not know? that show. <laughs> this is not that show. This is not that How show. How do you feel about the ANC? Well, the ANC is bigger than myself, and so therefore I <laughs> therefore, can't really speak you, about it. You know how it is. Either. We're yeah, broad church and so on. Uh, yeah, so this is going to be in the, in the, in the tradition of 
this great show. It's going to be just a broad conversation uh, rather than any any sort of political uh, conversation mm. for which people are media trained. So, yeah, if 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 you want to join us, uh, you're welcome to please uh, t- uh, text us, uh, send us a WhatsApp. You also you're also welcome to send us uh, tweets. Uh, on at Rory Shabalala, R-O-R-I-T-S-H-A-B-A-L-A-L-A, and at Yebo Levy. Yebo underscore Levy. Yebo yeah. underscore Levy. But what's an underscore? You, you know, you, you, you know, too many white people. Underscore. What's an underscore? <laughs> Can you just explain? Why, why, are you, why are you bringing white privilege <laughs> into the underscore of Twitter? Like already. <laughs> Dr. Koza, Sunborn, sun Mamwa. Yo, I'm very excited. This is deep. Rory, this is very deep for me. It is. It is. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Yes. Uh, on the sidelines, uh, well, not exactly on the sidelines. Let's call it on the fringe of the ANC policy conference. Um, Koza, let's get going with, mm-hmm. uh, with our conversation. Um, we live in a very interesting time um, in South Africa, leadership-wise, and not just within the ANC, but across society. There, there's, there seems to be a lack of business leadership. Uh, civil society seems to also have its challenges around leadership. And then, of course, this political leadership that, for from us looking inside, is sorely lacking. Uh, can you please help us with maybe an explanation of what your philosophy of leadership is. What is the underpinning philosophy of leadership that drives your actions? Well, I think leadership is um, is about being virtuous and it's also about being truthful and honest about the material conditions that you are living in. <clears throat> However, it's also important to remember that you can understand the material conditions but we are living in a macroeconomic world. We are living, we are such a small open economy in the, in the international finance space. And therefore, being a leader is to be able to navigate through that for the, for the benefit of all. And I know it's always a difficult balance to strike, but it's absolutely important if we are a leader to be very practical. Mm. Because as Amika Cabral says, you know, people don't eat her ideas. Mm. People are satisfied if you are doing something that is going to make sense to their daily lives. Mm. Mm. You, you, you speak about a range of things here. You speak about virtue. You speak about honesty. Um, you speak about practicality. Uh, where do those, what is your definition of those, or where do you draw your definitions of those terms? Where, where did, you know, some people would say it's a religious belief, some would say it's a political tradition, some would say it's philosophers. Where do you draw your definitions of the, of virtue and honesty and so on? You know, I, I happen to be, um, a one of Abandu. Okay. And fortunately for me, being an African woman, um, you know, our definition of, of Abandu means people, mm. but that's how we are defined. Mm. Unfortunately, under apartheid, that was defined as meaning to be black African, you are mm. a, a Numundu. Mm. So, uh, and as a Numundu, to be honest with you, um, I grew up with those values of Ubuntu. And Ubuntu to me is not just about compassion, but it's about interconnectedness. 
It's about interrelatedness. It's also about interdependence, mm. you know. Um, and, and to me, that has a, 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 a twist of realism in it. It says, no matter what your ideology that you may have, you need to just step on the outside and begin to assess relationships and begin to assess the dependency. Am I dependent on this person? What is this person going to offer to me? And what am I going to offer to this person? Hence, in Isizulu, we say, mm-hmm. the hands wash each, each other. other. Yeah. You know, so to me, I've grown up under that environment. But over and above that, I must say that um, I grew up with a grandmother who was very, was blind. And I lived with her, and she used to call me the Nubian queen. Mm. And she used to tell me so much about the Kush civilization mm. in Africa. And, and I think in, in that way, I think she made me to look at, um, at leadership differently because she kept on saying to me, you know that the Nubian queen spirit lives in you. And you know that we sinned as Africans. Wow. And we need to go back to source so that we can stand on our own path and develop. So I think those things are very important. Jeez, um, I see the responsibility was on your shoulders from a very young age, being a Nubian queen. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, Rory, we've we've been we've jumped into this, and we're so excited. But I feel like some of our listeners might might, if they've lived under a hole for a very long time, not know who Dr. Makosikosa is. Yeah. So I just need to gi- I just need to give a little bit of context. So, sure. um, uh, Dr. Makosikosa is a member of Parliament. She was serving on SCOPA, the Standing Com- Committee on Finance. Uh, also former chairperson of the Standing Committee on Public Accounts and Finance Scopa in KwaZulu-Natal. And has been uh, over 20 years of collective experience at both public and private sector institutions. Um, you've got a number of, of uh, incredible positions that you've, you've held. But uh, you also hold a PhD in administration, a master's degree in social science. I'm forgetting one. I'm sure you're part of the Aspen Global Leadership, and you're doing something at the London School of Economics, if, I, if I'm yes, correct. Yes, yeah. So anyone who thinks that uh, people in government are not, uh, don't have the skills, don't have the credentials, I think that Dr. Makosikosa puts you to shame because this CV is ridiculous, and it goes on. And not only that, and this is something quite cool for me, her recent achievements include groundbreaking research culminating in a textbook that unpacks the logic and sophistication of indigenous languages using Zulu as an example because it has proven the consistency of Zulu with mathematics, formulas, and science principles. She has since created a language order called Uzalo, comprising of a 12-noun cluster system, which I'm looking forward to learning about wow so that, that is that is introduction you might have also heard of her um for good and for bad reasons maybe the the, the good reasons are you on day seven grilled faith mutambi uh, minister faith mutambi at the time um on the sabc and i i mean those uh, if you if you haven't seen it you got to go into youtube and just watch the classic moments of parliament it was brilliant i loved every moment of it and you were also part of the committee that uh um, if I'm correct, uh, assigned our new public protector. 
Yes, I was actually chairing that committee. So we talk about leadership now. How do we feel about her? You know, now that you've got some time well, to see let her me be honest with you. Um, I've been particularly uh, very disappointed with her recent pronouncements. Mm. Um, I've been disappointed because you here she is uh, as somebody who is supposed to be protecting the public. And uh, instead, during the time when the country is going through an economic recession, and she is beginning to cast aspersions on the independence of the South African Reserve Bank. Now, being an open, small economy, if you are going to be making those reckless pronouncements in in the global um or in the global finance platform mm. it to me it's really not understanding the impact such has on ordinary citizens because these investments may not necessarily affect most of of us as much as it would affect a lot of people mm-hmm. just the other day i learned that it's anglo Gold or whatever, they've retrenched, they are going to be retrenching 8,500. 8,500 uh, workers. Now, this comes after what she had done. Whether that is linked to that or whatever, the reality of the situation is that markets are very, very sensitive. And that is why if you are a leader, you've got to be a realist. And I am very, very disappointed because when I also supported uh, the other parties and the members of my committee to put her in that position, I was truly hopeful. Mm -hmm. I was really hopeful. She's young. I thought relatively young. And I thought she's going to come with that energy. But... Yeah, there are things that have disturbed me about her. You see how we can start to see, you know, I said there's something about the University of London. It's a master's degree in finance that uh, Dr. Makosikos is doing in the, in the, at the University of London right now. So you can see that coming. <laughs> you can see that geopolitical view coming. Well, and, and maybe I'm a on big fan. You can see that. I've got a woman, Wednesday you, Woman Day crash you, or whatever it is. If, you can't see this at home, but Andrew's blushing like nobody. <laughs> He's red like a tomato. Red, 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 red. Hey, hey, stop keeping uh, me away here. <laughs> Doc, um, so you, you speak about... Um, uh, the public protector, and I'd love us to come back uh, to her when we speak about women leadership more broadly. Mm. Um, but you are in in the recent pronouncement that that she's come through about the Reserve Bank and so on. What you what you're seeing is a, a certain ideological underpinning that probably goes against the grain of the prevailing ideological uh, stance of how the world should operate, how development should how a developmental economy should drive itself, and the role of central banks in all of that. And that's why we're asking about your under, underpinning philosophy. Do you think that South Africa is in the midst of a, a, a philosophical battle um, of, of, of just its essence uh, as, as a nation? Let me tell you, let, that's how I'm going to answer this, Mshengo uh, Shabalal, if you don't mind if I call you that. Mama. Um, you know, <clears throat> there is a syndrome uh, which is very much prevalent amongst most of us who've been part of the liberation movement. For some strange reasons, I think 
we are kind of indoctrinated into believing into in, into believing in nationalization into believing in you know communism a classless society the rule by the proletariat and what have you but um i think we have not really taken a step back and said you know how come each country that has tried to nationalize its economy mm. uh, has failed repeatedly? So to me, I think that is tragic because that means we are still stuck in what was uniting us under a different period mm -hmm. when we did not necessarily have the experience of governing. Mm. But when you are governing, you gain the experience of understanding how the fiscal policy works, how the monetary policy works, and you also get to understand about the impact of markets in your day-to-day -day living. And unfortunately, whether we love it or we hate it, the capitalist system has been able to rescue itself. Mm. And, and unfortunately, communism or socialism has not been able to rescue itself. Mm. If you look at countries like Cuba, um, they were never rescued by another communist country, they were rescued by a capitalist economy. Mm. Now, these are the things that I think we need. These are ideological shifts that we need to make. Mm. And that is why I also try not to uh, put myself in the ideological box, but more into what is practical, what is functional. Mm. And, and I believe that if we begin to understand that once we begin to, um, especially as black Africans, I always say, if we could master at least 25% mm. of the economy, given our sheer numbers, by 2063 or even 2050, we, we would have made a bigger stride than destroying the little that there is. It's like celebrating having 100% of your company that has zero value. Zero value, yeah. And yet to. instead of appreciating having maybe having 6% of, of a huge company. So it's just about simple logic. You know, you you have to understand these issues. Can you be attacked by your your comrades in the ANC to say you seem to be uh, adopting Zillism because Helen Zilla <laughs> has come out and said colonialism was good and she bases it on Singapore. And Singapore um, decided that, you know what, there is a lot that colonialism has built, but we're, we are going to build on top of it moving forward. Would you, would you say that that would be a fair you criticism? You are getting into a very different space mm. because I was not talking about colonialism. No, you're right. I might have to uh, uh, probably uh, maybe conduct a, a, a very short um, a political education class. Please. You see, when one is talking about um, when one is talking about co colonialism and capitalism, those are not necessarily synonymous yes. systems. Mm -hmm. You can have colonialism 
that is not necessarily capitalistic. But unfortunately for us in Africa, capitalism and colonialism come together. And and you can't divorce racism from colonialism Mm, mm. and capitalism where we are. Mm. So what Zila said, I am very much against what she said. Because in Africa, colonialism left so much devastation on the majority of South Africans. Yes, the white minority may benefited from colonialism, Mm. but basically we never benefited from it. it, We are landless even to this day. Mm. But that does not mean we should not be looking at we should not be looking at the corrective measures mm-hmm. that are not going to be punitive yes. on the current generation. That may be white. Mm. That may not have been there during that time. Mm. And I'm almost certain they were not there. Mm. And some of them, they don't even understand what colonialism is. So when we are doing the redress, we need to be mindful of the fact that we are also building a new nation Mm. that is a nation of both black and white South Africans. And we have a new contract that we started championing since 1955 when we came together Mm. to put it in the Freedom Charter that we are the people of South Africa, black and white, and we belong together. Mm. And we also said we wanted to have this this future that we are in now together. Mm. So we must not come with things that are negating what we have agreed on as part of our social contract. Yes, today. Nazo and Rulivi, you the anti-capitalist, uh, how do you <laughs> feel about that? Because you are very, you you have defined you, yourself as the anti... You, I feel like you're putting me on the block here today. How What's happening here? Well, This is what we do. Just because you're, you're blushing, now I can't ask you questions. I always Fine, ask, ask you questions. Ask your questions. Ask your questions. Uh, no, no, do I agree I'm, with what, what's happening here? Yes, because you have you are, you are a pronounced anti-capitalist who lives a capitalist life. Mm. <laughs> so what do you say about this? I think that... We can get into the philosophies here, uh, and we can take hours of time. I think mm. that if we if we spoke to Karl Marx about what he thought communi- or what communism is today, he'd probably be in his grave turning and turning and turning because his original contracts were never what communism became. Right? Communism just actually became another way of capitalism and nepotism, where there was a huge proletariat and there were some people who made huge amounts of money because they knew people. Right? Um, so. Th- I don't think that that's 100% the right way to go, but I do think that capitalism is flawed. We need a huge amount of people to feed into the system of capitalism, which need to be at a certain um, space, uneducated, low-value jobs, low money, and I think that we need to change it. We need to break that. So that's just a personal opinion, and I think there's a way in which capitalism and what we call socialism today can actually merge into something new where we can build a better space for everyone. Um, That's a personal thing. And I'm sure we're not here listening to Andrew's personal views on capitalism and socialism. But and I so think on. I want to come into that space yes. very quickly. <laughs> here we go, I, I, here I we honestly go. don't think that. I think um, there is no economy that I know of mm. that became successful that was 100% capitalism. Mm. 
or 100% communism. Mm, mm, mm. We have a mixed economy. Yeah. And I certainly believe that we could draw um, the best from both, from both systems. And I still don't, I also don't support this brutal capitalism mm. that is mm. underpinned by cross materialism and exploitation of people and exactly. so forth. Yeah. I also think that capitalism has also done something that's more creative that socialism hasn't. Mm. I believe that the age of algorithms is a product mm. of capitalism. Today, ordinary citizens can access internet can have cell phones, mm -hmm. and um, previously, connectivity was for the selective few. Mm. It was not for everybody. Mm -hmm. So in a way, whereas capitalism has become, which was seen as this system that benefits only the few, mm -hmm. but we've seen some of its products impacting on millions of people. Today, we can share research on an internet platform, mm. which was invented by capitalists. Mm. But today I can be able to understand how to deal with a particular problem on that capitalist platform. So I am saying the world has got to shift from this purely ideological way of looking at things. Yeah. Because even Karl Marx, I still believe that Karl Marxism is a very, very brilliant analytical tool of society. Mm. Analyzing the social stratification, analyzing how the forces of production work, and so forth. But I think we escalated it into an economic system. Mm. Now, an, an analytical tool can never be an economic system. So if you've just joined the show, we are speaking to uh, Dr. Makosi Koza. Um, she sits in Parliament. Uh, she is an, a proudly ANC member, a loyal ANC member. Maybe not proudly at the moment, but a loyal ANC member. We'll ask her that just now. And if you have your questions, please put them through on uh, Twitter, uh, on WhatsApp, and we'll definitely get to some of them. It's been an interesting time. Um, before we talk about the ANC and where they sit at the moment, maybe we can talk a little bit of like interjecting and segueing into uh, capitalism, Marxism, into this idea of the youth at the moment. And we saw those statistics come out a few weeks ago, about 40% now of youth aged 15 to 35 unemployed. It's tragic. It's tragic. And specifically in spaces, you know, like we spoke about Orpheum, Singer, Peter Maritzburg, um, more spaces that don't have the spotlight of Gauteng and Western Cape and, and potentially uh, Etiguini as well. But we've got, we've got huge amounts of problems here. How do you, how, how do you, as someone who sits in parliament, feel? I mean, I know it's not in your portfolio specifically, but when, when you go home and you see the, the I suppose when you see events going on around you in South Africa, how does it make you feel to know that our education system is so fundamentally, in my, in my opinion, flawed? You know, um, part of the reason why I have become known as a rebel within my party, I think it's precisely because I find it hard to live a lie. Hmm. I've just been from free state where the population, the un unemployment in that, in that province is over 35%. Now, if you escalate that to the expanded uh, definition of unemployment, 
you may be sitting between 50 and 60% unemployed people. I'm also frightened by the fact that I meet a lot of people, and this is not just an understatement, mm. and this breaks my heart. I meet a lot of people who are in their 30s, but they have never worked. Mm. They have never worked. They are almost halfway through their life. In South Africa, our life expectancy is between 60 and 65. Now you are 30 years, you've never worked. Yeah. That means you have never lived. Mm. How can we be just if we are saying that? And I think that's what constitutes courageous leadership. Sometimes you've got it to move beyond just the narrow party political interests. And by the way, I still believe that in the new dispensation that we are in now, post-1994, we should be guided more by the plight of our people than by the narrow party political interests. Mm. We've got to graduate to a point where we are prepared to die for the country than to die for the organization mm. if the organization is no longer fulfilling its mission. Mm. Mm. Uh, um, uh, Dr. Ngosa Namoyo has, is on record as saying we should be analytical about the past and emotional about the future as opposed to what seems to be the case right now where we're emotional about the past um, and, and analytical about the future. Um, is this, does this tie in with, with what you're saying and is happening maybe within the ANC is that there is a lot of emo emotion, emotion that, that's tied to uh, the past without being analytical about it, learning from it and using those insights to feed the emotion and passion uh, with which we pursue the future. You know, Mshengu Shabalala, my view is slightly different from that of Moyo. Mm. I honestly believe that we, we wanted to use the past as a way to justify our wrongs of today. Mm. We also wanted to use that spirit that prevailed during the struggle mm. when we had one common enemy. Mm. And we wanted to use that to justify the wrong things that we do today. And that is why I am therefore saying, yes, maybe he may have something, he may be right if that was genuine. Mm. But I don't believe that it's they genuine. are using the past uh, genuinely. But I think they are using the past to blackmail society. Oh my goodness. So blackmailing the future generations with, yes. with the past. So you, you speak about, you have been within the, the movement for 35 years or more. Um, and you wrote a letter when you were attacked by the Etiquini Youth League. Um, you, you, you wrote a letter, or at least you posted something on Facebook where you addressed them directly. And you, you spoke about having been in the movement for 35 years and that perhaps that experience you might be able to pass on to them. What do you think it is about your time in the movement over the past 35 years that has enhanced your moral authority, whereas most of your comrades that have walked this 35-year and longer journey with you, it seems that that 35 years has had a corrosive effect on their moral authority to the extent where they are now compromised. What was the difference? Where did you zig where most of your comrades seem to have zagged? I think maybe the difference is that during my time, 
I was fortunate to have leaders who had um, the highest moral authority. Leaders who would, who because of the time that we are living in, they would not uh, condone stealing. If stealing, if we are stealing, it was stealing and that was mm. it. Mm -hmm. Today, we have senior leaders who do things and in the name of noble missions. Mm. And when they do that, they are actually saying to these young people, it is correct to lie deliberately mm. and to, to enrich yourself at the expense of all of us. Mm. And I think that is the polarization that we have. I, I have to tell you that the moral bankruptcy of our own youth today bothers me a lot. Mm. Because if the, the kind of youth that we have, especially those that are in leadership positions today, our generation is going to be moving out. And if that is the kind of leadership that's going to be coming, they are going to be the source of inspiration mm. of the young of children the who yeah. will be the youth when they are older people like myself. Yes. So then we begin to move in this vicious circle. Mm. And that is why I have chosen that I would speak against those kinds Such of people. tendencies give us, because give us, they negate mm. my own mission yes. of a prosperous Africa. Give us some examples because in as much as we need role models and we can put you as, as a role model and say Makosi Kosa because these concepts are difficult to understand if you don't tie them to a living being that you can look at. Give us examples of these types of leaders that we should be, we should be looking at and saying these are the types of leaders we don't want our children to become. Let me tell you something. You know, I, I, I'm extremely concerned about when I heard on the news, and I'm talking about something that everybody at home will probably know. They watched it on TV. Mm. How does a young person justify having a bond of over 100,000 mm. as a leader? Per month. Huh? Per month. So is that, uh, is, that is that Colin Mine's uh, thing? Colin Mine. Uh, um, I mean, you are talking Do you about want us a to leader say of a, 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 a leader. You are mm. talking about mm. a leader of a youth league, and 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 to me, it bothers me. Um, that kind of I've been a CEO of Salga. Mm. I've been the head of public sector finance at Standard Corporate and Merchant Bank. I've been working so hard all my life. I can never afford a bond of 100,000 a month. Mm. I mean, that kind of instant gratification where you, 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 you begin to ask yourself, if we had known that he had invented something, wow, we would be celebrating. <laughs> yeah. But IP, I am yeah. not sure of what he has invented. Mm. I, I am not sure of what he has um, what is his sweat equity? What has he brought to this, society? What, what has, what's what his is, value? Yeah. What is, what is, the, what is his value that has given him that? Mm. And, and I wasn't happy when he was evasive, mm. uh, when he was asked, you know, you know, to, to elaborate on this. Mm. He never answered those 
those questions. And I think those leaders are the leaders that as young people we should be careful of. Mm. Because those leaders are going to lead us to the ditch. Let's talk about political education because this is this is how you begin to make sure that you steer young leaders from one direction towards another. What has happened to the political education within the movement uh, that is the ANC and more broadly in society that raised up the types of leader that you are? Um, do you still have political education within the ANC? What has happened? How do you have a Colin Maine, for example? Not not simply just as a member, but as the leader of a youth league. In other words, the the highest as the highest uh, reflection of what your your youth can pr- can produce is embodied within Colin Maine. Uh, has he been through your political education processes? You know, you are a young person, and I would expect that you should be asking about the curriculum of that political education. Yes. Because, I mean, I could claim that I've gone through a political education class. Mm, And um, probably that political education class is just telling me about the history of the ANC. Who succeeded who and what sort of ideologies guided them, but it may not necessarily be talking about my own moral compass. It may not necessarily be talking about case study methodologies where I have to compare countries that have succeeded and why those countries have succeeded. It may not be as challenging. Now I am saying, I am sick of this rhetoric of political education. I would love to see the curriculum of that political education for me Mm. to make a pronouncement that, yes, indeed, you've gone through political education. Yeah, it's not enough to simply be... Uh, attending a school if you're not learning anything of value. That's that's what you're saying. What I am saying is that you may be learning something of value, but of what value? You may be learning something of value in terms of being able to talk about uh, monopoly capital, in terms of talking about the motive forces, in terms of talking about all that lingua, the buzzwords. Mm. But you you have not necessarily mastered that which is very important and that is understanding, having empathy with those that you lead mm. and having a greater pursuit in your life. And that is being able to uplift millions of people out of that entrapment in poverty and that a hopelessness and nothingness. Let's, let's talk about women leadership. You have said that you are an unapologetic, unapologetic feminist, and you have said that South Africa is ready for a woman president. Um, now we know that Umam Kosazanatlamini uh, Zuma is touted as a potential, uh, a potential such leader. Now, she is not the first person who is being put across by a certain group within society to say that's a woman president. So if South Africa wasn't ready for a woman president in Helen Zilla, wasn't ready for a woman president in uh, Zanele Kamagwazamsibi, wasn't ready for a woman president in Mampela Rampele, Dr. Mampela Rampele, uh, what is it? What metri- by what metric do you measure that South Africa is now ready for a woman president? Let me tell you something. There is something that many people don't understand about feminism. Yes. Certainly, I don't belong to the school of thought that says feminism is wearing a skirt or being a female only. But to me, feminism is saying I've got to cut it. 
I've got to cut it in my, in my prevailing material conditions. I've got to cut it in the intellectual space. I've got to cut it with the modern realities. Can Helen Zille be the president of the Republic of South Africa? I honestly don't think so. And why? The reason being that the fact that she is still stuck in glorifying colonialism when she knows very well that colonialism was devastating to the majority of South Africans, I honestly don't think that I would want it to associate with that. Mm -hmm. And by the way, Helen Zille is one of the women that when she became the premier of the Western Cape, she never appointed women to the the Mm -hmm. cabinet post. Mm -hmm. And to me, it was saying, Helen Zille may be a woman, but she is blind in identifying women talent. Mm. And to me, to be a feminist in a patriarchal society is to be able to identify the talent, is to be able to identify the dynamism in a woman, is to be able to, to identify that woman who can understand the dynamics of the economy. And unfortunately, with Gosazane, Gosazane has been an outstanding woman, and I do not have, I, I'm not necessarily necessarily questioning her credentials. And I do believe that she got at AU, um, you know, because on merit. But however, let's be honest. Unfortunately, she happens to be at the age where I think she should be nurturing people like myself and grooming people like me. Same thing with Mampere Lampele. She's an academic and I think she has to understand that everybody have their own fields. You can't go into, I've been, I was deputy mayor, by the way, when I was 26 years old. I've been in the game of politics. I've had to understand. I, did, I declined when they wanted to make me the mayor when I was 26. And the reason why I declined, it's because I wasn't ready. I had never been a counselor before. It's being honest with your own capabilities. To be a revolutionary feminist is to understand your own capabilities and to understand your own shortcomings and understand your own environment and being able to read correctly the situation of where you want to take your pursuit to. Mm. That's that's very interesting. Uh, just if you've joined us, this is a fascinating conversation. Uh, uh, we're talking to... Whew. We're talking to one of the most interesting people that I've seen in a long, long time. You, you take I words hope away. I are from not just no, uh, with a no. deep breath. Did you see with a deep breath? No, I'm being honest. I'm being very <laughs> genuine. Dr. Makosikosa, <laughs> thank you for joining okay. us. We're, we're speaking to Dr. Makosikosa. Uh, this conversation is 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 come and gone very quickly. We've got a, a lot still to do and a lot still to talk about, so I hope we, we can take your time. Um, it's interesting you were speaking about your own capabilities. I don't think that's just about feminists. That's just about leaders in general, and I think we have a lack of understanding around that. I'm interested to hear your thoughts um, around uh, Dr. Dlamini Zuma and whether you think that she could be or is fit to serve as our next president. Forget about, or I suppose we can't forget, let's talk about it in context of what's happening in South Africa at the moment. Do you think she is fit to serve as our next president? Let me tell you something. 
And remember, we it's, don't want political It's very <laughs> important. If you are, no, I, I comment about these issues because it doesn't help. I think it's also one of the major, one of the weaknesses of the ANC mm. um, leaders. We have a lot of good leaders within the ANC, but I don't think they are, they have the courage to speak out. And I think that sometimes it's important for us to speak out. We are a very, very young democracy. And I would like that Nkosa Zanazuma to understand. I'm not questioning her merits, but we are a very young democracy. And secondly, I honestly don't think that it augurs well for South Africa from people that have been talking with that her own former husband is the one that is her own champion. Mm. And, and unfortunately, she has not, she has not in this race towards presidency. I have not seen her a developing her own character. Mm. It's been more at the shadow of this. And unfortunately, and this is the reality, South Africans are saying, we want to have a fresh start. Mm. And I think South Africa has got to understand that we are a modern country. The fact that the ANC has lost the metros in, in, lost Swane, lost the Grulene, lost Nelson Mandela, I really think that we need a younger leader. Mm. We need somebody that is inspirational. We need women like Ngosa Zanazuma to be assisting in, in guiding those leaders, to be nurturing them. When we are, we, if we are not doing what we are supposed to do, I am expecting them to say, hey, come here. We don't think that you are doing it right. So they are actually depriving us, this generation and the younger generation, because I think she has absolutely rich history and, and she's been such a success of wealth proportions. And as you know, she's a, a recipient of an award from the World Health Organization. She actually was able to defeat the, the tobacco industry. And, and I still, I still admire her for that. But I don't think that during this time, she is an appropriate person. And given all the cloud that is around her own campaign and so forth. Let's talk about the ANC Women's League. Does, do you think that it represents, uh, the, the, the best of what we hope that, uh, young women in South Africa should become? Um, do you think that their leadership reflects, uh, the, the best aspirations of young leaders? Uh, uh, Minister Dlamini, for example, as a leader. We've heard a lot of ANC Women's League leaders. Um, saying things that, that, that are shocking, you know, if, if the, we will defend Zuma with our buttocks, uh, if the, if the rand falls, we will pick <laughs> you it up. It's just, so, but, but these are, these are, are, the, are is this the, the, the best reflect? There was a time when the ANC Women's League used to be the, 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 the embodiment of everything that we hope for in the future of women in this country. If you think about the 1956 march and and the leadership that was shown there and since then, uh, what do you think about the ANC Women's League now? Is it still uh, carrying those values of the 1956 women? 
you are young people and you are asking me these things and I would imagine that even our listeners are young people. Probably that is why I'm more open than I would under normal circumstances. <laughs> Maybe if That's I was on the thing. Justice Malala show, probably I would be very cautious. <laughs> but I, I have to be honest because I am concerned about young people in this country. I am at the age where I have to be um, counting down, looking at what am I going to be leaving behind for for the younger people and um coming to the ANC Women's League, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to comment on the Women's League because I am not a member of the ANC Women's Why League. Why aren't you a member? I am not a member of the ANC Women's League because I'm obsessed with books. I'm obsessed with exploring what takes me forward. I'm obsessed with disrupting my own belief systems. And I think the kind of feminist I'm looking for <coughs> is the one that is prepared to be challenged. <laughs> it's a... Uh, what a beautiful moment because that... The silence in that moment said so many things for me, Rory. And then she coughed. <laughs> when we are asking about the women's <laughs> league. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's I was not, no. Come, let's get no, no, this. no. It's important that I make this clear. Please. You see, I honestly wanted to see young women aspiring to be the best of the best. Better than Bill Gates. Better than Oprah Winfrey. I wanted to see young women being able to um, walk tall and proud. I don't want to see young women thinking that to be a feminist you have to look shabby and you have to be carrying maybe your uh, whatever mm. or maybe carrying some uh, <laughs> uh, whatever things that they carry sometimes Finish when the they go to help us you know like, I, I, like i'm what? just saying to mm. you I, I want i want young women to be able to articulate their views i want them to be able to stand there as outstanding intellectuals mm. i wanted them to enrich africa with the new philosophers I wanted them to be writing what they think. Mm. I wanted them to be critical of the society they live in. I wanted them to be like uh, Chimamangozi from yes. Nigeria. Yes. I wanted them to be like Oprah Winfrey. Yes. I wanted them to be like Beyonce. Mm. So I am saying to you, unfortunately, some of these women's organizations that I see, by the way, and not just the ANC Women's League, even if I was in Zimbabwe, I would not be part of that women's brigade. Even if I was in the IFP, mm. I would not be part of the AFP Women's Brigade because to me, they simply don't get it. They simply don't get it. Mm. We want it to set our own standards as women because as women, I think our standards are much higher than men. Mm. But we, we end up being reduced to the campaigning for this for male for agendas. Male. Yes. Mm. And I am totally against that. Give us examples of what you are for organizations that represent us. So if women, if, if these organizations are not, are not going to raise up those types of leaders, what types of organizations can young women who are listening to this say, okay, let me align myself with an organization. Let me like tell this. you something. 
I was a member of the Natal Organization of Women, and that organization, Natal Organization of Women, made me who I am today. They gave me the confidence that I have. And um, I love seeing Winnie Mandela, notwithstanding whatever, I mean, shortcomings that she had. But when she got onto stage and she had that fiery power, mm. I mean, I loved her elegance. Mm. I loved her, you know, her surviving spirit. I mean, and this is an outstandingly beautiful woman, but she is still able to assert herself. So I grew up in that environment. I grew up in knowing about women like Charlotte Matlege. Mm. And, and, and those are the women who were, by the way, she is the one woman that made us members of the ANC today. Mm. She was the first one to campaign against the ANC uh, being a male-only uh, hmm. organization. And the, and the, and the Charlotte Matlege was one woman who got her first, I mean, she got, she's the first black African woman to, uh, to get a PSC degree in 1905. Hmm. Now, that's the woman that I'm looking for. So I am saying to you, we have a lot in the ANC, in the ANC history. Lillian Goyi is one of those women. You know, I mean, we, we've got a lot of them. Unfortunately, we are no longer living up to what they stood for. Mm. And I am a product of that struggle of those women that took part in the 1956 match, and I am proud of that. But whether I can be part of it today, I'm not sure. Mm. I have my doubts. <laughs> are, there, are there any young women that inspire you who you think these are the future Lillian Goyes of, of, of South Africa? I have Apart seen, from yourself. No, no, no. I, I have seen... I, let me tell you something. No, no. And, and young, it's a legitimate young thing. Women, apart from, mm. I have seen young women... Let me, let me start by saying there is this little kid who is writing stories. Our youngest author in South Africa. Good Lord. Mm. I mean, I've forgotten her name. But I'm, I'm sure you must have seen her. She's our youngest author. Mm, mm, mm. And the kind... I mean, she's 10 years old. The kind of confidence that she has... Yes. Okay. To me, it's, it, it makes me proud. But I also want to say, I also love, despite the fact that in Bali, um, mm, Bali and Tuli, mm. she's in the DA and I'm in the ANC. I love, I love her. I love the way she takes us. Sometimes I feel like, oh my God. This child could be my child in my other life because <laughs> she is not scared to speak her views. Mm. I mean, she tackled even Helen Zille and, and, and I love that. So mm. I'm saying to yeah. you, we have a lot of those young women. I also met some very bright, very, very bright. I think this girl is Nombilo. I've forgotten her surname at VETS when I went to VETS, when I addressed the students at VETS. I mean, she was so articulate. I mean, I was saying, oh my God. God. This is the future president of the republic. I mean, the way she was speaking, the way she was articulating her vision, and mm. the way she was engaging during the debate, to me, I'm saying we are not short of those people. Unfortunately, those women are never given space by organized form formations, because organized formations, unfortunately, tend to love mediocrity. Mm.
Mm. South Africa's youngest author there is Michelle Ngamangeng, who recently made history as the youngest author from Africa to be included in the list of top 10 youngest writers in the world. Mm-hmm. And of course, Mbalintuli is, is one of the very few things that we like about the DA, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> and yeah, no, she, she speaks her mind often. We, we, we love having her on because she, as you said earlier, she believes in the country rather than the party. And I yeah. think that that is something so magical and so unique at the moment in South Africa. Um, I think we need to continue this conversation, uh, Rory, because people are going to kill us. Yeah. There have been so many comments on Facebook, on Twitter, on social media, and we have to get to some of them. It's unfair just to hear our voices. Um, Dr. Koza, this has gone very quickly. And um, we need to continue this conversation. So we might need to uh, do this offline or a round and two. have a round two of this because people are going to kill us. They've got, the questions are lining up and, and, you know, the questions are hard. We haven't even got to the ANC yet. Uh, Jay-Z, we haven't spoken about him at all yet. So I think this is a precursor to some of the things that are coming in uh, round two. Uh, I must just thank you for your time for the moment. And uh, thank to the listeners. What a rich conversation, Rory. My goodness. You see why I've got a crash? You got a crash now. You, it's it's escalated no, now. Is it confirmed? <laughs> it's confirmed. That's scary. <laughs> no, it's confirmed. Oh, it started it as blushing. Hey, it's you now. know, I don't believe in sugar daddies, but I also don't believe in sugar mamas too. <laughs> sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, my friend. <laughs> Intellectual crash, guys. Come on. We, we did men or trash he, a few weeks ago. We know where that goes. Come again. on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Listen, uh, if you missed any of this podcast, you got to check it out. Uh, go to www.cliffcentral.com forward slash frankly speaking. Dr. Makosi Koza, a member of parliament, a doctorate, a incredibly loyal Zulu speaker. She's done some incredible stuff there. I'm going to check out the dictionary as well. I can't wait. Uh, Uzalo. And um, someone who's taking us forward. And I think that's something that is just so fascinating. So thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you very it. much. And thanks for having me. Rory, what are your feelings right now? You know how we do that. Ooh, let's put those in round two. My and cup, you my didn't cup, tell me cup, why you left Akhang. My cup is running so over. <laughs> why did you leave Akhang, Rory? Let's leave that for round two. I will, I will, I will break it down for you. <laughs> round two. So catch all us right, on round two. Right. Catch we us on round two. We got to get out of here. We'll see you later. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. This is cliffcentral.com.